all times in the NFL, the focus should be winning the football game. Uh, nothing else takes precedence. No player evaluation. No uh, amount of curiosity from anybody within the organization. Uh, everything is focused in this, in my opinion, in this league, upon winning games. Uh, you see a lot of losing teams sustain losses for a number of years uh, when they have bad cultures. They have cultures where you don't try and win every week, where you're trying to – what are we going to do in the draft? What are we going to do in the free agency? What can we do over here? Um, you know, in football, this isn't basketball. One draft pick isn't going to make us a Super Bowl champion. It might be a big start to a Super Bowl championship, but it's always going to be about the team. Uh, that's the greatest thing about this sport. The moment a team feels like you as an organization aren't doing your job to, for me to go out there and win, all of a sudden you've put, you've shown who you are. You don't care about me or this team. The season is officially over. Fishbine has taken the title. Nobody's happy about it, but we're moving forward. Congrats to him. Excellent general management throughout the season. Looked bleak for him at times. Snuck into the playoffs. Went absolutely bonkers in all three rounds of the playoffs. Well-deserved title. But just because the season is over doesn't mean that the podcast will go to rest. We are here for you. We will continue in the offseason. And Kenny, why don't you get us started out with some shout outs? Yeah, definitely. The first shout out is going to be for toxic work environments. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles do not care about their employees. That was it was an egregious, sinful act last night uh, of just epic proportions. And I'm trying to think about it in in like real life terms, because sports only really can be applied so much to like day-to-day life. What we watched last night would be like if our bosses made us copy and staple and like collate, whatever collate actually means, papers all week only to just put them in a shredder on Monday night. I have no idea how the that coaching staff was even looking face-to-face with the defensive players or Jason Kelsey, who literally let Nick Sudfeld get annihilated last night at times. So the first shout out is going to be to toxic work environments. And I don't even think fish probably happy about winging the ring because apparently Philly doesn't really care about that anymore. The second shout out is going to be to my sex life. Over the last three weeks, I have had not only the worst luck in terms of uh, hooking up with people, but three weeks ago, I was supposed to go on a third date with a girl. We all know what that means. I was going to meet her on a Friday. Then a girl messaged me, oh, I want to see you on Friday. So I tried to do the double switch. Instead of getting two auto bangs, didn't see either of them on the weekend. So that was the first weekend. Then the second, then the second weekend, I go to a comedy show. I'm pretty fucked up. This girl is like, oh, yeah, come over in Brooklyn. So I Uber to Brooklyn. I've been, like, talking to this girl throughout the pandemic. I go to make out with her. Absolutely rejected. Why? Because me going to make out with her reminded her of her ex and that she still loves her. So, that, no that way. Was, you that was did you request her on Venmo for the Uber ride? That was strike two. I, I was just, I had not, I didn't even say anything. I literally messaged this girl yesterday. I was like, oh, by the way, like, why didn't we hook up? She's still like hitting me up and whatnot. She's like, yeah, you know, you, you remind me of someone else in my past life. I was just like, good luck. And that was that. Then God, this I'm not past weekend, that sounds awful. This past weekend, I it's like 3 a.m. It's on New Year's. Everyone knows New Year's Eve. Like you're obviously gonna go try and get with someone. I go to this girl's apartment, almost immediately tells me we're not having sex. I I swear to God, I knew I was fucked up already, but she said that I literally got nauseous. I did not know what to do. I had to leave like within 10 minutes. And the day after that, I took an Uber to Jersey City, going all over the place, and I got half a blowjob, and uh, I thought I was going to be stranded there at like four o'clock in the morning, and I had to call a lift. So it's been pretty crazy. 
objectively not very successful at all um but a perfect transition if we're talking about sex to the next shout out i saw leffler this weekend (laughs) and i pretty much just told him that our podcast was better than theirs um what did he say about that i'm not even kidding we were just like sitting on the couch i was at boss place we were playing some beer die before and he just like brought up the podcast and something about it. I was just like, yeah, now is it just like better? He was like, yeah, probably. And just kept talking, which is just like, you know, That's the, the most left learning thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> he literally yeah, probably. Just, yeah, I just kept going <laughs> <laughs> with the shoulders. Exactly. So I definitely had to give him a little shout out. He buy beer in beer dye, which doesn't happen too frequently. Um, shout out Fishbine for winning. We have to give him his due, due uh, his credit is due. Well-deserved. Playoff bind was real. Um, yeah, oh, Will, yeah, this is insane. This well, first of all, I would just like to life. say to the entire league, including to my team, to Mark and I, that we should all be a little ashamed of ourselves. We've had this league now five years, and both Danny and Greer have won twice. So mm. let's all take a step back before next year. Let's not have years like Evan and Matt where we score 1,300 points. Let's not have years like Tyler and Joey where we have this two, the only two receivers from the same team. Let's get smarter next year. Let's bring our A games. Let's up this league another level. We took a big step this year. The league was as competitive as it's ever been, but yet again, Danny fucking won the league somehow. So my message to the league is Let's get our shit together and take these kids down. We can't let Danny win the next two years or he's officially a dynasty. So keep that in mind. Having said that, there was something this Sunday in the NFL in previous years, um, but interested me greatly throughout the day. Uh, Basically, it started for me with uh, Schefter tweeted in the morning a list of incentives that players were trying to hit um, by the end of the season and how they could do it in the final game. And I guess obviously a lot of these contracts are built with incentives these days, pro bowls, all pro, you know, leading the league in passing yards, whatever it may be. But some of them I thought were pretty crazy and that their teammates were helping them do it. So there was a big controversy in the Seahawks 49ers game when the Seahawks had clinched the game and didn't kneel it because Russell Wilson threw a one yard catch to David Moore. It turns out that Russ knew David Moore needed one more catch for an hundred K incentive bonus and in the huddle, after Pete Carroll had already called in a new QB Neal, Russ called an audible to throw the ball to David Moore to get him $100,000. Like, I don't know, is that good or bad? That's not great sportsmanship, but at the same time, like he's hooking up his wide receiver with $100,000. And that wasn't the only time on Sunday that happened. I don't know if anyone saw the Buccaneers game. Brady threw three shovel passes to Antonio Brown in the last two minutes of the game to get him to 45 receptions for the year and a 250K bonus. Like, that's crazy. Oh, that, was a, that was AB's bonus. Yeah. I thought that was Brady's bonus. Was, wow. He's, like a shovel pass incentive. Literally <laughs> just was giving Antonio Brown the ball when the game was over just so he would get his bonus. The same thing happened with the Bucs. They wanted to get Mike Evans to 1,000 yards. They played him. He ends up getting injured. Then there's guys like Leonard Floyd who had to get a sack to him for his $1.25 million bonus. Like imagine you're playing – in a game that's already, if you're Leonard Floyd, a game where you're playing for playoff cards, but you're also one sack away from an over a million dollar bonus. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, I just never have thought of sports that way. Um, one that did not work out is Michael Brockers, who had a 750000 incentive in his contract uh, for if he played 65% of snaps this season. Going into Sunday, he had played 64.3% of snaps and then went on the COVID list Sunday morning and was unable to play in the game. So he's going to fall just short of his bonus. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, maybe other people have been tracking this in previous years, but credit to ESPN and Schefter for always doing a great job. Uh, And I thought like, if you had nothing to root for, that was something fun to watch. I feel like players know what's good too. And, or like, and after the game, like in the Hawks game, like I guarantee, you know, they were all chopping it up after, like, yeah, like, you needed one more catch to get 100. Down. Like, you guys get it. And, like, bro, obviously. Right. Usually, I think that would be the best place to end shout-outs. We're going to end with the big winners, something interesting. But I noticed something this morning that I wanted to address. It's from the group mate. And 
I was very close to, to blowing it up this morning, but I decided to wait, obviously, have a responsibility here. On Thursday at 11.19, Greer changed the like icon in the group me from a heart to a goat with sunglasses on. And I have no idea how it has gone so profoundly unnoticed. Not a single message has been written since Thursday at 1040. And then an hour later, Greer did this. And literally not a single person has done anything. And Will and I are the only people to like it. And Will just liked it when I brought it up before we started recording. I have no idea how people haven't been noticing this. Do you, I mean, do you have any thoughts on this? Because this is like blowing my mind. I mean, I, when you pointed it out, I was like, what in the world is that? I literally had no concept of what in the world was going on. And then I went to change it for one of my other groupies after seeing that. And I don't even see the goat as an option. So I think there's a chance Greer paid for that emoji to make it the like option, which is even wilder. Lastly, we have big plans for the off season uh, here at the AE League Thank Media. Um, kicking off with next week, we are going to try and do an award show of types for the season. Uh, we'll send out some sort of Google poll or something throughout the week. We'd appreciate if everyone would respond. Uh, maybe we can get people on for acceptance speeches. We will figure something fun out for next week. Um, and then we're going to take a few weeks off uh, and come back for a Super Bowl preview and a Super Bowl recap in back-to-back -back weeks. And then for most of the offseason, we plan on doing a podcast every other week uh, in which each week we break down a team season, their waiver wire ads, the mistakes they made, the trades they made, how their season could have turned out if they made the correct decisions. Uh, and I think it'll be fun. We'll probably do about 40 minutes on each team. Um, just keep people interested, make fun of people for doing retarded things like trading Miles Gaskin for Mike Williams which can lead to becoming the Sacco. Uh, but we are going to send out a rough schedule to everybody. Uh, and if you see your week and know already that for some reason you're not going to be available at all that week, let us know so we can change the schedule. Um, but it should be a fun off season and we're uh, excited to keep it going. Yeah. Big shout out to everybody's uh, contributions on the bet that we wanted to do, by the way, really good suggestions on that. We got to think of some superlatives too. If people have any ideas, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Um, a little bit more audience participation would be much appreciated, especially when it comes to these awards, because it could be very, very funny or it could be a huge waste of time. So we would really appreciate all and any help. And we are going to be soliciting people for nominations for each uh, category. So if people don't uh, participate, then we're just not going to do it, which is fine because I don't really give a fuck. Um, anyways, we've done our shout outs. Fishmine is still in the waiting room, which is funny. So we're just going to leave him there for a little bit longer because I know how much he hates that. And yep. we're going to go to Chandler. We missed him last week, but happy to have him back on for the final chance corner of the season. Chan, how you doing? What's good, boys? Happy Woo! New Year. Happy, Happy New, Year New Year to you as well. Happy New Year. I, I, was, I was thinking, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the Larry David episode. What's like the cutoff of when we stop saying Happy New Year? Because during work today, you know, I was writing a bunch of emails and I'm like, when should I stop saying happy new year to people? Oh, is today the cutoff? I think, I think Larry said three days, right? I think the first day back to work is the cutoff starting tomorrow. It's no longer happy new year. It's fuck this. We're back at work. So it, it's done as of today. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, 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 it's Monday. Like the third is a Monday this year. So like we're starting work. You kind of have to say it. Yeah. Good to know. Sure. Cause I've been contemplating all day. Uh, congrats to Fishbine, uh, winning fantasy. I'm sure he'll add it to his resume, right, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> his LinkedIn profile already. And I may ask, is the reason for not shaving in efforts of winning, you know, like, is that, was that done coincidentally? Has to, right? Yeah, he, uh, he had a playoff beard going, and then he informed us that he went to the barber and decided that it looked good, so he was going to have the barber just trim it up and see what it looked like when it looked a little cleaner. So he's just honestly for now. Honestly, I was going to say it looks very clean. I kind of fuck with it. You got a little uh, uh, goatee going. It's nice. It shapes his face nicely. I agree. <laughs> Hopefully going to skip most of the stats. 
Uh, I just want to talk NFL playoffs for a hot sec. I guess looking ahead to wild card, you know, unfortunately it feels a lot like regular season matchups. However, I do think there are some teams being slept on. Uh, the the start, I guess starting with the Bills, you know, they've been unquestionably dominant these past few weeks. And truthfully, if it wasn't for the Hale Murray, they're 14 and two. It's true. And speaking to that game, I don't think we should count out Rivers in this spot. The guy's been doing it, what, for, you know, 17 years, right? Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take them plus six and a half in this spot. I think, I like it. you know, I, I think the Bills, what, are allowing, allowing like 4,000 fans in their stadium, which, you know, certainly isn't a full Bills mafia, but I'm jumping on the Colts and the Titans as home dogs. They're getting three and a half right now. King Henry has just been an absolute animal. I'm taking them plus three and a half. They beat them last year. I mean, you have to expect the Ravens to come in here pissed off, but, you know, the Ravens aren't what I guess you could say what they used to be. And, you know, unless Lamar is able to throw the ball, I'm taking the Titans. Yeah, I have to say, I'm looking at these matchups. I like a lot of the underdogs. As far as the Steelers game, I think the Steelers have cooled off. You know, they started off 11-0. and They struggled against the Redskins. I'm taking the Browns plus four. You know, the Browns haven't been in the playoffs in, what, 17 years, I think it, I think they said. Maybe longer. Yeah, 2002. So, I'm hopping on them. So, th- those are my three games that I'm, I'm targeting. I'm avoiding the big spreads. Uh, you know, I'm going to lay off the Buccaneers game. I do think Brady rolls. However, if the Red, if the rest, if the Washington football team can put Brady on his back, you know they they do have a chance. Um, I'm gonna lay off the Saints game. I don't like the big spread. If you had to pick your Super Bowl matchup going into the playoffs right now, one AFC, one F- NFC team, who's your who's your matchup? So, I was gonna get to that. You know, there's a ton of football left. You know, the season's far from over, in my opinion. After watching the Packers Bears game last night, I think Rodgers is a pure force you know he, he's gonna be tough to beat especially at home especially in Lambeau uh, same with Mahomes you know both are unquestionably dangerous and you know we can say you know somewhat of the same about Seattle but at the end of the day all these teams are beatable you know a team hasn't won back-to-back Super Bowls since the 2003-2004 season like do I see Mahomes and Rodgers potentially going head-to-head absolutely would I be shocked if one of them end up losing? No. Yeah, I think I'm going to put a good amount of money they on can the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I think Rodgers is literally just – I mean, I've never seen something quite like his first half last week where frozen. he basically was just picking apart the Bears' defense in the cold and the snow. I mean, the guy the guy is just unbeatable. I, I, I can't imagine he's going to lose. I think he's going to go through easily. Yeah, there's something different this year, honestly. He's always nasty, but it just feels like he's playing on another level. It does. Have you guys seen his numbers for the years, for the year? They're ridiculous. Did you see the stat that the Packers punted fewer times than Rodgers threw touchdown passes this year? Yeah, I mean. Rodgers threw 48 touchdown passes. The Packers punted 46 times. I would have to imagine that's the only time in NFL history that that's happened, or at least in the Super Bowl era, because Absolutely. that is an abs- to punt fewer than fifty times in a season is outrageous. That's you're punting fewer than three times a game. Wow. I also think My just Rodgers needs it. You know, if he wants to be in the in the conversation, he he needs this one. He's two rings away from being in the go conversation. Truthfully. So, right, he and I mean, needs one now. he he needs one now, and I wouldn't put it past. I mean, I they've shown up. They, you know, aside from them losing to the Buccaneers in what week three or four, I think it was. Yeah, that was. Okay. They've been they've been dominant throughout the entire season. That's this is the year. It's gonna happen. Couldn't agree more. But but it, I mean, just you know, not to digress in any way, but you know, this podcast, you know, it's crazy. We've been doing this for four months now. Uh, time flies and it's been nothing but fun. Hopefully, you know, some people have made some money riding the picks. I think we did finish up units. I don't know if it was yeah. many, but I think it's been fun, you know, just talking shop, 
Uh, talking gambling is always fun. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, keeping it going and talking off season, you know, it's been fun. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know whose idea this was, you know, Kenny or, or Will, but it's been fun. And I'm looking forward to continue, continuing and, you know, maybe getting some blue wire gear for next season. Yes. For sure. And we appreciate you uh, all your time, Chan. And we will definitely have you on in the off season for multiple episodes, looking to do a lot of oh, fun yeah. stuff around the Super Bowl, the NFL draft. So we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely chat this off season. And one more congrats to Fishbine. I'm sure everyone's uh, <laughs> not, not, not entirely happy for you, but <laughs> you deserve it, buddy. Good shit. <laughs> you got it spot on, Chan. We appreciate your time. And with that, having said that, we will allow Fishbine to come into the room and be a part of the conversation and unfortunately and begrudgingly give him a nice round of applause for winning the title this year. Danny Fishbine, congratulations on being the 2020 Chiba Bowl champion. How, how, how does it feel? It was a stressful season. I'm not going to lie. It took a lot out of me. I feel like Urban Meyer after he won his chips, you know? Although a little less scandal around me. Breaking news, Danny Fishbine compares himself to Urban Meyer. (laughs) (laughs) Only the bad parts, though. (laughs) I thought he was going to go for Saban, but we'll take Urban Meyer. I'll take Urban Meyer. Uh, But, yeah, no, thank you, guys. Uh, Honestly, it was stressful right until the last minute. Even once Diggs caught a second touchdown, I wasn't sure I was going to win still. So, pretty – pretty terrifying all around and I gotta say Will and I were texting about how kind of the highs don't necessarily compare to the lows of fantasy football and even winning the chip I kind of agree it was like I was more stressed when I thought I was gonna lose the chip for not starting Jeff Wilson than I was happy when I actually won the chip I've been saying this all season to Hugh because uh, we actually ended up winning our dynasty league but the lows of fantasy football are possibly some of the worst feelings in the world. Like, I'm not going to joke. I'm not going to – I'm going to be dead serious with you guys. When Deontay Johnson caught that touchdown pass, I think that's the most heartbroken I've been in three or four years. Not not kidding. No event in my life has made me as sad as that in the last three or four years. And then (laughs) – and then winning the fantasy football league, the dynasty league, didn't feel that great. I mean, it was good. It was, it felt good to be awarded (laughs) for that, but it wasn't the best thing that's happened to me in three or four years. The highs and lows are not close. Fantasy sports, like even fantasy baseball, Danny, like the stress of every day. Here we go again. Here we go again. I'm not going to lie. Fantasy baseball, not nearly as stressful just because I feel like it's partially about how much everyone in the league gives a shit. For sure. So not a ton of chirping in that group, you know, not as much, kind of skin in the game whereas this group with a bunch of herbs yeah that's true too a little more (laughs) money too on the line in this in this league but if we we all won with this group it would be as stressful like it would we all won i I agree i mean we're happy to we should take this into baseball that's just something i'm proposing right off the bat i would 100 percent be down to do take this right into fantasy baseball season it just wouldn't be the same level of engagement well, I yeah, don't know. I don't think anyone I, likes baseball other than like Danny, me, Evan. Does anyone else like? I mean, well, you Evan like drafts just Phillies every year. <laughs> I, he crushes I meant, Andrew I meant, McCutcheon. I'm like, terrible at fantasy baseball. I can never. No way, Hugh, Jesse, Henry, Tyler, Joey, Conti, Greer, and Ball would do fantasy baseball. Yeah. Reardon and Lapidot. You think Reardon and Lapidot are doing? Just, well, La- I mean, Lapidot, low key, <laughs> best baseball guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say you guys are spot on. You guys are spot on because the only, like if I'm thinking about like fantasy football and emotions this season, I literally just cannot stop thinking about Brady letting me down three Mondays in a row. Like there's no high I think about. It's It's literally literally just the low. Like that's I mean, it's it's literally, it's not even close. I don't think there's anybody in the world who would disagree. There's nobody who's won a fantasy football league and and it's felt (laughs) as good as they have felt bad when they lost. It's just not even close. I will say I've also won two chips. I knew what it was like to win this league before. Maybe that's part of it where, you know, if there was someone getting over the hump, they may feel better than I did. But I've been there before. Were you more nervous than you thought you would be? Oh, I was freaking out. See, I didn't think I had much of a chance after 
Gaskin went off for that ridiculous touchdown to ice the game. And Jeff Wilson kind of fucked me. And then Stafford left after the third play of the game. So Marvin Jones and DeAndre Swift didn't do shit. By the way, he came back this week in their most meaningless game. And Marvin Jones had what would have been a 38-point day. So, and he scored I mean, like four touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, he went off. He had one called back and he still scored two touchdowns and had 180 yards. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I mean, I was definitely stressed on Sunday. And then when Jalen Hurts was kind of dick teasing in that first half, he was going off. And then in the second half, he just started sucking. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I was pretty pissed. Had to get some uh, a drink in me to calm the nerves. And then Monday night, I accepted defeat. And Stephon Diggs went ghost until the second quarter and then just went fucking nuts. So, like, people, I texted people Danny forget. Monday morning and I said, you've got a really good chance of winning tonight. And he said, nah, dude. Like, I literally have no chance. I'm like, your defense kicker and Stephon Diggs put up 65 last week and you're only down 40. And he goes, it was 51. That was, no, you weren't down 51. No, no, no. I'm saying the week before. People thought it was like 65. It was 51. And that's how well they played. Amen. How many Fun different days. people were you texting throughout the day? Honestly, not that many. I, it, because it was one of those things, it was kind of a lose-lose. It was like, I text them thinking I'm gloating about winning, and then I lose, I'm fucked. If I text them that I'm going to lose, they're going to accuse me of reverse jinxing. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> The reverse jinx needs to die in 2020. We're not bringing the reverse jinx into 2021. The reverse jinx isn't as much of a real thing. Like, I think people misunderstood when I was saying it at first. The reverse jinx with Philly fans isn't as much a reverse jinx as it is. We're just used to the worst thing happening. Like, we draft Ben Simmons. He breaks his fucking foot. We draft like, Markel Fultz. He forgets how to shoot. We a three-point divisional game when we have oh, yeah. a rookie quarterback. Yeah, and you choose to win the game. Should we just get into that? Let's just get yeah, into that. I, we right can get now. into that. And then we'll finish the conversation of, of, with fantasy football. Yeah, but let's let's get idea. into that now. You're um, yawning, Fishbine. Yeah, right. I would like to start, honestly, because I have you a lot start. to say. Go ahead. To me, first of all, I'm going to say this. Obviously, I have some bias. Like, there's, I hate Philadelphia. I hate the Eagles. They ruined the Giants' chance of going to the playoffs by blowing this. But I will try to be as unbiased as possible in terms of my Giants' needs and motives. To me, there is a huge – Obviously, I'll start with – first of all, everyone saw what happened, I assume. So I'm not going to explain the situation. To me – I'll explain the situation. The Eagles didn't play the better quarterback. They played a fucking retard who was just not able to even throw a goddamn ball. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's basically what happened. To me, there's a huge difference between tanking and between purposely losing a, a singular game. So, obviously, the 76ers kind of, you know, not invented the tank, but made it a popular thing. They tanked to rebuild and quote unquote trust the process and get young stars via the draft. For starters, the NBA is a completely different thing. You draft a player and they can immediately take you from a 10 win team to a 40 win team, depending on how good they are. That's just a fact. That's not a fact in the NFL. You saw with Joe Burrow this year, you saw with Saquon Barkley with the Giants. You need other pieces. One amazing player does not make you a team that consistently wins. And number two, the Sixers didn't tank by not trying. What they did was give away all the talented players and play a bunch of guys who didn't belong in the NBA. They were going to lose every game, but those guys were trying their fucking ass off every fucking night. They were trying to win every single game because if they could show something, Tony Roten for one of them, you know, he could get himself a deal on another team next year or whatever. They're playing their heart out. What the Eagles did last night was the exact opposite of sport and was honestly really upsetting for, for any fan to watch of any sport. And I think a lot of Eagles fans probably felt the same way. You purposely lost a football game that you were within three points of it and it's not like okay your quarterback is some loser who has no future you took out your rookie quarterback who could have gotten a game situation practice in a divisional ball game a team he's going to face theoretically twice a year the next 10 15 20 years depending on how long he's your quarterback if he's really your future quarterback and that could have been game experience as a rookie to try and win a ball game Instead, you put in Nate Sudfeld, a guy who was drafted in 2016 and has shown zero promise or zero success in this league at any point in efforts to go from the number nine pick to the number six pick. For starters, three picks moving in an NFL draft is not massive. 
it, it's not. I'm sorry. I saw that thing. Oh, the last four years are different between nine and six. The NFL draft is about evaluating talent and the Eagles. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. No doubt. And we suck at evaluating talent, particularly receivers, but it's not no difference. And the other thing you have to think about there is just the surplus value. If you were to trade down, like if you're saying there's no difference, trading down from six to nine probably gets you a, another second round pick or a first the next year. So it isn't just about. But does that outweigh saying to your players, we don't give a fuck about the, all the effort you're putting into this game. We're going to purposely blow this ball game because well, there were players upset. Yeah. No, so look, my, at someone my... like, look at someone like Zach Ertz. That might have been the last game he ever played for your franchise. He put his fucking heart and body on the line for your franchise for 10 years. And that might be the last play he plays, game he well, plays for your team. Something and that now, we didn't. Sorry, That's how we can remember. He's gonna have a sour. He's gonna have a sour memory of Something Philadelphia. We didn't even bring up. All right, he's not gonna have a sour memory. Let's... Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, Fishbine. Hold on. You will go right after this, cause I don't think I don't think you're in any position to say he might not have a sour taste in his mouth. Jason Kelsey has that. You watch that... the press conference. Yes, I watch a press conference. Of course, I watch a press conference. If you don't think before the game, we didn't even mention that. The Eagles were going to be playing spoiler. Jim Schwartz before the game said, there's no way we are going to let these guys celebrate on our field. Three hours later, they're telling guys on the sideline, we're just throwing this game right now. It doesn't for, there's a million different ways you can look at it into what it means for the future of the team. Granted, I really don't think it matters that much. Like you got, you know, you can disagree. We see it in the, uh, in Wells Fargo compared to the link too, because it doesn't work out there either. But my biggest issue with it is just the message it sends to literally the team itself. I mean, you saw that video of the of Wentz, Kelsey, and Urch just chilling after the game, probably the last time they're all going to be in the same team. And there is no way that Doug Peterson and the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles brass can possibly believe that people will buy into, oh, we were just, you know, trying to see if this guy was good. We just wanted to see, you know, what the con- context of, of our guys were. No, they threw the fucking game and everybody knows it. And the player, it truly just makes it seem like they just don't care about the guys that are playing out there. Like, how do you expect a defensive player to even step onto the field? Meanwhile, Joe no, I, is sitting on the sideline going, smirking. this ain't smirking. right. This ain't yeah, right. No, look, look. And I, that's your rookie quarterback that you're now ripping confidence. It's like what the what I think of or what the Dolphins did to Tua. Like, you cannot simulate game situations in any other way than being in a game. And there's nothing more valuable to the experience of any person, whether you're an athlete or you work in the workforce, to game situations. Those are the things that teach you how to become better at what you're doing and at your craft. And the Eagles ripped that away from a young rookie quarterback who needed the opportunity. Fishbine? All, all those points are completely valid. I think there are a couple things you guys are missing. One, I think this has happened quite a bit, just maybe not quite as ugly because the issue was, I think, more than – the way the Eagles proceeded with all this, that Washington looked like they were fucking tanking in the game. So it was like we gave them every opportunity to win gracefully, and they kept making it a close game again, which made it that much worse because it put us in the position where we had to do it in an egregious fashion. I don't think that I don't think that it would have been as bad if we just kind of rested a few starters and Washington just coasted along but I think the way it happened and I don't this is where I don't disagree with you guys is that the way that it happened was heinous and because of that I think that it it could have an effect on the players going forward in a way that it wouldn't have if it was a different situation the way it played out and the fact of the matter is that what Danny's saying doesn't make it any better if that's really how he feels then he feels that it's okay to go into a game to try to lose which I don't feel is is a way to play sports. I know it's just. I mean, that's not what tanking is to me. That's not no. tanking is not purposely losing. Tanking is not is you know getting rid of your star assets for worse assets so that you can free up ca- salary space, salary cap space, which also in turn makes you a worse team. But it's not purposely going out there and telling your players to lose a game. Yeah, tanking isn't really a coaching decision. It's a it's a GM decision. It's a like roster building decision. It's not yes, a exactly. time decision. Exactly. I could not agree more. What the <laughs> Jets and the Jaguars did is not the same thing at all because. And they're just worse than the Eagles. 
There's bad. They're, they're, yeah, exactly. like worse the than... rosters are bad. They have bad rosters. They filled with bad players and because of bad decisions they made in previous years with bad coaches. Like that's not what the Eagles situation is. Yeah, that was that was honestly tough. I've never seen anything like that. I've never the, seen uh, immediately like that. immediately it's just so funny that like right away I was just thinking of the 76ers, obviously. The difference between, you know, just like losing a game and and tanking is that tanking is not a game time decision. You don't go into a game and no, I agree. win because look like, and the Redskins didn't look good at all. Like I thought we, I thought we had it in the bag as in the giants. I'm sorry. The football team didn't look good, but like Alex Smith isn't going out there with any part of him thinking that they're going to lose that game. He's doing everything he can to, to leave that field a legend. He can't believe he was playing, you know? So there's a difference between that and the Eagles Doug Peterson, maybe he got, who knows, maybe he got a fucking call in the middle of the game. Like, you know what's happening. You're just fucking toss it. But there's a difference between that and a team that is built poorly. And they're like, okay, we're not going to do much to build up this season. And we are just going to be losing games. Not we're going to choose to lose this game. You know what I mean? And who it's, knows if they win It's a any- mentality thing, too. I mean, it's no, like. I, I agree. I completely agree. Like, you're not going to hear me say it was, like, pretty or it should have happened. But you stand my, by it. I only stand – I stand by the concept. I don't stand by the way it happened. Like, How would you have preferred it went down on Sunday? So the, the way that it – first of all, the NFL should never reflect that game to prime time. That was fucking retarded. Um, well, no, it, because theoretically but, that could have been a great fourth quarter. Right, if, let, if, if he stays in the game, you're looking at a prime time fourth quarter where a team is playing to get into the playoffs in a huge market. It would have been an so amazing game. I, I want to say one, one – um fucking hurts also played like shit but that's beyond the point because i regardless sudfeld is two rushing touchdowns he's just the worst chance chance of winning but no the way it should have gone down and again i stand by that if this happens at 3 30 while the other game's still going on no one gives a flying fuck is that um we should have never started hurts because the truth is with the eagles injuries this year Anything can fucking happen, and we just shouldn't have put any of our guys that we think are part of the future out there, and we should have just let the other guys ball, let them get shit on tape to either sign a new deal with the Eagles or another team, and started Sudfeld, or at the very least had it where, you know, Hurts plays the first half, but then we take him out as a precaution. Because, the tr- like, Brandon Graham walked off the field limping. He's a big part of our future. Who knows if he's all right. Jalen Rager, our first round rookie, yeah, he doesn't look great, but he got a concussion. Like, these aren't things you want happening. If you want to go back a couple of years, like Brandon Brooks got injured on the last snap of the last play, and he was he's an all-pro guard. So, again, I get the injury part, and that's how it should have went down. The way it went down was disgusting, and we'll probably lose some players in the locker room for Doug Peterson. Yeah, I mean, it would have been one thing, like – I'm, a lot of the stuff I'm reading on Twitter is like, what's the difference between what the Eagles did and what the Jaguars did where, you know, what's Minshew's healthy and they're still playing Mike Lennon. The difference is Mike Lennon is getting every single rep in practice and is coming into the game with reps with the first team starters and a real chance of winning a football game because anyone can win a football game. Nate Sudfeld has had no reps all season. He was the third string and inactive for most of the season. And has no idea what he's doing. I mean, you could, he was literally a deer in the headlights out there. I could have gone out there and done the same thing. I mean, he got sacked four times, dropped a snap that hit him in the hands. Like, I mean, it was, it just didn't help that it also looked literally like you yeah. were trying to lose. How about, I, I'm sure there was no one on defense who said, okay, you should, you know, jump off sides on this fourth and one, but it looked like it. That was an agree. Not only did he jump off sides, he started grabbing Alex Smith's ankles and tearing him to the ground. Yeah, it was, the it was egregious. No, that's what, I mean, that's my point. It looked it, really the way bad. It looked was horrible, but I don't think the concept is that bad if it plays out a different way. Is all I'm trying to say. But I, guess, I agree. But to that your primetime point, horrible. To your primetime point, it's the same thing with how the NBA has now instituted fines. If you sit players on prime time, you have a responsibility to the fans if you're playing on prime time to give them a game. You do. Part of the, the league doesn't survive without the fans. The fans support the league through ticket sales, merchandise, whatever it is. You get flexed to the primetime game. It's a divisional game. First of all, why wouldn't you want to keep one of your divisional rivals out of the playoffs if you could? That's a, always a great a thing. A different one out of the playoffs. 
who for sure, but more. that's not really how anyone should think about a game. You shouldn't go into a game thinking, okay, if we lose, we can keep I'm our just saying, if that's rivals. your point, if that's your point, then. But there's a difference to beating a divisional rival to keep them out and losing to keep a different one out. No, I know. And I mean, all that I wish is that it was the Cowboys that won that game against you guys so that this happened to them and they could be even more salty because, frankly, I would enjoy that more than Giants fans being salty. I mean, now you just you understand that the first Giants Eagles game of next year is going to be an absolute shit show. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you know what? the Giants are going to come at the Eagles against next. you guys since 2010. I'm yeah. not worried. 17 and five against us since 2010. That sounds about right. I mean, the karma that the Eagles are going to see this this coming season. Like, I just cannot wait. I, there's it's going to be a shit show. I truly believe. And- I couldn't agree more. And just to quickly go over the Eagles' recent drafting history, obviously a lot of people expect them to use this pick for a wide receiver. So we're going to just go back and look at four of the previous six drafts for fun. Uh, This past season, the Eagles drafted Jalen Rieger ahead of Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayu, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., and Chenault, I don't know how to say his first fucking name, uh, who all outperformed Rieger by miles, having only some of them only played one game more than Rieger, the same amount of games, two games more, not a huge difference. Obviously, Jefferson was a freak show this year, but everyone knew when they took Rieger that that was the wrong pick, and it turned out to be the wrong pick. Uh, 2019. Including Eagles fans, by the way. I understand. Just 2019, so you drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside ahead of Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, Deontay Johnson, and, of course, the big man himself, D.K. Metcalf. Uh, obviously, you know, Karis Campbell, Andy Isabella aren't that great, but still a whole lot better than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, Deontay Johnson obviously has been great the last two years, and DK is another story. Uh, 2015, the Eagles in the first round took a man by the name of Nelson Aguilar, who, although there may not have been other star-studded wide receivers from that class, has clearly was not a part of their future plans uh, and performed quite poorly for the franchise over the last couple of seasons of his contract. He won us the Super Bowl. He was he a, won us the Super Bowl. I knew he, that was coming. He was a big he, part in winning us the Super Bowl. He was a big part of that Super Bowl There's team. There's no but, love lost for Nelson Aguilar with the Eagles fans. Don't get me wrong. And then in 2014, um, Jordan Matthews was selected just a few picks ahead of Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, and Jarvis Landry. So... If there's one thing we know about Howie Roseman is that he does not know how to find wide receivers. Before Howie took over as a general manager, the Eagles took Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin in back-to-back drafts, who were both great franchise wide receivers. Macklin going on to do great things in Kansas City. Deshaun obviously had his time on other teams as well, but came back to Philadelphia. And uh, not to mention, there was also a drafting of Josh Huff um, ahead of Dante Moncrief and John Brown in that draft as well. So no matter where it is in the draft, Howie Roseman struggles with wide receivers. Hence, me thinking that this is even dumber because he could have guaranteed his rookie quarterback a game situation, and he took that away from him. And I think, truly, truly believe the Eagles will be cursed for this for years to come, and I think we're going to look back on this and laugh. So I I think I want to call it now, um, but I think that while all us Eagles fans think they're going to end up taking a receiver, that Howie is going to try to galaxy brain some shit and end up drafting another quarterback after trading Wentz and it's going to be a QB competition going into the year, or they're going to trade Hurts to some weird fucking situation because that's just how he is. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else. And he thinks that like going against the grain is just going to win him everything. When most times, if you just took the guy who was mocked to us and in, in the latest mock draft would be a much better team than we are now. Um, so I just wanted that on the record, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to defend our drafting of wide receivers, but I think that's part of why we wanted a top pick because it's like the closer you get to the top of the draft, the less chance to completely fuck it up there is. So I think it's the opposite. There's got to be the higher the draft pick, the more pressure, the more magnification on the pick. There's more pressure, but there's a lot less variance. You know, when you get into the top between six and nine, I'm saying it's, it's kind of set once you get to a certain point up in the draft. But when you start to get later in the draft, all of a sudden you can – guys start to sneak into the draft board. That I mean, the Bills took Sammy there. Watkins at four ahead of Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., and Brandon Cooks. So I don't know, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Fishman, I kind of – I disagree with you on that. I feel like the NFL draft, more than any other draft, I'm watching it and I, and I see – 
uh, a difference in reality and mock drafts more so than I see in the NBA draft. Well, the NFL is all about evaluating talent and there's also way more positions. So it's like, it's not like the NBA. If you need a guard or a forward, yeah, sometimes there's guys who can play both those. Whatever. Like if you need an offensive tackle or you need a wide receiver, we're talking about, you know, completely different things here. Different it's, human beings. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's the, the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the variance, like the variance is higher than in like the NBA or some other draft. But I think generally the guys go within two or three picks of where people think they're going to go more often than not whether that's positional need or someone trading up or down, obviously that the actual mock itself may not be correct, but generally they're pretty spot on besides like Clellan Farrell or whoever that was on the Raiders a few years ago at number four. Or Daniel Jones. Yeah. That's a perfect example, but that's what I'm saying. Like I could see us taking fucking Trey Lance at six and blow everyone's mind. Well, see, it's, it's crazy. It also goes against what you're saying, though, because I don't even know who that guy is. I, and I'm sure – I have a feeling he's probably – his mock, where is he right now? He's I above mean, nine. PFF, PFF actually mocked him to us today, but other people PFF have him like stinks. 20 to 30. So, so my, point I, there, my point there is that if, if you think that that might end up happening anyway and you think that Roseman might be thinking that anyway, you wouldn't have need to lose the game. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger thing is just the higher up, the less chance the guy that is so obvious that you can't not fucking take him is off the board. And also, things are going to settle before the draft. Obviously, we're talking about this, you know, four months in advance. Settle, Settle. yeah. So, uh, I'm just throwing out names randomly. So, what do you – okay, this is – I'm I'm good talking about this after. Will, I don't know if you have anything else you want to throw in there too, but Danny Fishbein puts on that visor. All right, you are Doug Peterson. What do you say to this team in the locker room? It's dead quiet. There's no media. No one's in there. What do you say? If I am him, I'm not fucking doing what he did. I'm starting Nate Sudfeld saying we're going to rest all the guys that are under contract and a big part of our future for next year. And that's just how we're going to play this game. We're going to evaluate the back end of our roster. and, And I'm calling it a day. That being said, since he didn't do that, if you're asking me what he says, I have no fucking clue because he's pretty much indefensible at this point. He's been indefensible all year. He's been a fucking terrible – he's been a mess all year. He's the offensive play caller. It's been like the least inventive play calls ever. We either run a fucking poster out where Wentz gets sacked or we run a bubble screen or run up the middle. There's no in between. So I think he's lost a good amount of locker room already just because of the way he's kind of mishandled everything with Wentz and all that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if he's here come next year. I will say one more thing, actually, that I, and I wanted to say earlier. I think you can argue that Doug Peterson started t- throwing that game far earlier than when he took Nate Sudfeld out. It started when they went for it on fourth down inside the five-yard line and did basically basically did not draw up a play. They basically did not draw up a play. And then, I mean, Jalen, like it just didn't look like – nothing looked organized. It looked like they had no plans at any point of winning that football game. And as you said, Washington kept letting them You back have in. to watch them all year to understand that that is a play that Doug would have called a fucking fourth down, go for it, and, and then he would have drawn up some shit play. Like I'm not – this isn't me being biased as an Eagles fan. This is just me telling you that I, I understand. so many of our plays have looked like that this year that it's hard to discern what is tanking versus what is just our team being a fucking shit show. Well, Doug Peterson's one bad season away from being a guy who's never going to get a job as a head coach again in this league. So he's put it, he's put himself in a very tough position. um, And I don't think this is something that's going to be forgotten for a long time. I think this is going to be something that's talked about for a long time. Be interested to see if the NFL does anything about it or says anything about it. They've been awfully quiet today, but I think everyone is pretty clear on what happened and that I don't think you'll see a lot of other teams do that because it's pretty reprehensible and it's in general bad for sports. So let's switch back to, let's switch back to fantasy. Okay. Fishbine, who are your keepers? Don't be a bitch. Tell us. <laughs> so I, I actually don't fully know right now. I mean, Diggs is obvious because Diggs in the fourth round is just a clear win. Yeah, that's um, a and then I have 
three running backs, all that depending on what happens with their teams in the offseason, I may keep DeAndre Swift in the fourth, uh, Jonathan Taylor in the second, and then J.K. Dobbins also in the fourth. So it's just going to come down to what the competition in their backfield looks like come next season, who their quarterbacks are, um, yada, yada. And then Travis Kelsey in the first could potentially be kept just because he was so dominant this year, and I'm probably going to be picking the back end of the first. But, again, just going to have to see how the season plays out, what, what Kansas City does, you know, any injuries that take place, all that. And then I, I wish I could keep Jalen Hurts. Unfortunately, I can't because I picked him up too late in the year. But if I could, I would definitely keep him. Why? Do you really think he's going to be that good? You think I he's mean, an eighth-round keeper? Yeah, probably. As a – Oh. It's worth it with it's worth it for the upside. It's one of those things. It's like, who am I picking in the eighth round instead of him? Like, uh, but I don't know. he's not going to be gone in the eighth round. So it's yeah, like you could just get him in the eighth. He round. might. You don't. You don't know. I mean, look. All I'm saying is, running quarterbacks are hard to come by. We've seen second year running quarterbacks do great things. It's worth the upside. Then you pick a guy later. That that would just be my opinion. You pick a guy later, like a Stafford or someone like that, who you can rely on if. Jalen Hurts just completely goes a shit. But I think it's worth it for the upside. I mean, if you guys want to let me keep him, you want to change things around, then we can put it to a vote. I'll happily keep him. What, Jalen well, Hurts? <laughs> uh, we're not going to put it to a vote because we're not going to make your fantasy decisions for you. But I think that is a perfect note to end on because there's nothing more Danny in fantasy than having him try to get people to vote on who he should keep. Um. Danny, thank you for coming on. Congratulations on a great season. Jen, you really did do a very good job. I, I, I said at the end of uh, our last regular season episode that I thought you were the GM of the season, and it turned out to be that way. I, you made a lot of really good trades for the end of the season that bolt your team up in the positions that you uh, needed to. Um, and I just want to say thank you to everyone else in the league uh, for listening to the podcast, coming on to the podcast. In, in a year where you can see nobody, this was a great way to – still stay connected with all y'all uh, and the main reason we did this league in the first place. So uh, I feel very happy to be a part of, be a part of this group and uh, continue to do this in the off season, as we mentioned. And Kenny, if you have any last words about the podcast this season, feel free it's to say been, them. It's been beautiful. No, cause I know we're just going to keep doing it. You know, this is, I'm very <laughs> glad we're doing it though. And I know we're, uh, I know we're a lot better than Leffler and Grodenstein. So we can take that <laughs> grave. This is darn sure. Um, we're going to send out, um, I guess, some sort of list or solicit questions for the award show uh, as to what the category should be. And then we'll send out a nominations thing. We'd really like to do this next week, but if we can't get it together, we'll do it the week after, but we'll figure Let's it out. Votes. Let's get some participation here, guys. Yeah, we would really Everyone's appreciate gonna... the participation. Uh, it'll make it for a good thing. We'll get acceptance speeches. We'll schedule the whole thing. It'll be a lot of fun. So boys, thank you for everything. Danny, congrats again. And uh Let's enjoy the NFL playoffs and we'll be back. We'll be back at the podcast pretty soon. Super wild called weekend boys. Peace out. See you guys. Peace.